0: You are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these. It's turkey time. Come on, come
1: What I saw wasn't human. Oh my
0: god! It was very tall. What's more, it saw me. This thing.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Turkeys. I'm your host, Movie Miss, and we're jumping back in to Rawhead Rex. This will be part two of the two-part episode. Just to remind you where we were when we left off last, we were with the family, Howard, his wife, and the two kids, and they had just passed that ugly-looking scarecrow in a field that gave them a fright. And now they're packed up in the car, they're on their way to Dublin, and little Robbie is whining that he wants McDonald's and he's hungry and little Minty, are we there yet? And they've been in the car for like six whole minutes (laughs) at this point. So let's jump right back into the action, shall we? So back at the police, hovel, (laughs) we see it's about 2.30 in the afternoon. A cop rushes in to see Inspector Gissing to show him a picture drawn by the little boy Neil from the RV caravan. No shocker to us, the picture resembles Rawhead Rex. And they put two and two together that that sounds like the description of what Howard was telling them he saw. Not a cow.
0: Which goes to show how incredibly skilled and masterful that these two detectives are. That instead of taking the word of a grown-ass adult, a sober grown-ass adult in Ireland, that what he saw, it took the picture, poorly drawn picture of a child to bring this together of like, oh shit, this must be real.
1: So then we cut to a scene that starts out annoying me like no other scene in movie history. I see you laughing. Are you laughing?
0: I think I know. I think I know what you're talking about.
1: Because this lady has no business being a fucking parent. Yep. (laughs) And it is so evident in this scene. So they're in the minivan driving along. And little Minty, again, probably five at most, says she has to pee. So they spend a minute just audibly giving her shit for not going before they left. It's that this is a small child. I mean, come on.
0: I mean, that I understand because parents are... You can get frustrated with that, especially parents in the 80s. It seemed like they got a little bit more frustrated with stuff. You know, if, if I said anything to my dad about like, hey, I had to pee. And why didn't you, you know, go earlier? I'd be like, well, I didn't have to go then. I would have got, you know, five across the eyes. So but that's
1: kind of what happens here. They're like, why know, didn't you think of that before we left? I'm five. She's like, I'm five. I didn't have to pee 10 minutes yeah. ago,
0: <laughs> whatever. So, so- I, I do get that it's stupid, but I do, I do get it. Like why, where are they, they're coming from, but yeah, it's like, it goes, oh, I'll let you continue.
1: It goes off the rails here. Yeah. So they look at the map and realize they're too far from anywhere for her to use an actual bathroom. So they pull over by this fenced off gated field area and they're on this little dirt road. So they kind of pull off a little to the side and they say, there's the field, go, go, go to the bathroom, go ahead. And the wife... <laughs> is like, she's fine. She can go by herself. She's got to grow up sometime. And I'm like, what? First of all, forget the fact that she's just five and you're in a strange land and sending her off. How about it's not a restroom, it's a bush. This child is going to need help clearing all of her her, her pants and things so she doesn't piss all over herself. Like the child probably needs help going to the bathroom in this situation. So this mother is a bitch, bitch. And Howard, of course, I love, She's like, well, she's got to grow up sometime. And Howard's like, not until I'm good and ready. And he takes her. <laughs> Howard for the win.
0: H- Howard is like, yeah, if I was a woman, I'd be like, oh yeah, Howard, That that's that's the man you want because he's loving father, smart ass. Like th- this dude's just all around great. Except you the know?
1: haircut. He needs he's, a better haircut.
0: <laughs> and he, he and he needs to ditch the Cosby sweater. The,
1: the dad sweater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah agreed.
0: And, and the the dad sweater is terrible. Terrible. Um, yeah, that, that scene just irritated the shit out of me because I was like, first, you tell your son to go chase a car, and now you're telling the your daughter, go piss behind the bush that's like 25 feet away. I'll sit here and wait for you. I mean, like, if this movie would have kept going, I would have expected her to give her a pack of menthols and a, you know, 40 ounce and be like, all right, you're off to go get a job now. <laughs> it's just terrible.
1: Yeah, it's horrible parenting. And I love Howard for the win steps in and takes her. Now this is where the scene kicks it into high gear for me because I appreciate, and a lot of people don't feel this way. I like daytime horror. Things that are bad that happen in the daylight because it's supposed to be where we, we're quote unquote safe in the daylight, out in the sun, right? Like bad things happen at night and in the dark. There's always like, uh, camping movies where people are like, we just have to make it through the night and whatever it we'll go away. And then the sun comes up and you're like, Oh, thank God. Let's pack up and get out of here. We're safe. Nothing bad happens in the daylight. So when you get daylight horror, Jaws is a great example. When the Kintner boy gets killed in the middle of the fucking day, when everyone's out partying in the, in the ocean, granted they're in the water where the shark is, but daytime horror is so much more effective to me because you just always have your guard down. You feel safe. Or is that just me?
0: No, that's perfect. I was actually thinking that uh, when you were talking about it. It's like, what makes great horror is that you're supposed to take something that you feel safe and comfortable in and then you turn it into the horror situation that makes you like, oh shit, this is not, I'm I'm supposed to be safe here. I I think that's why like home invasion movies and stuff like that have such a big scare because like you're in your own home. You're supposed to be safe. Here. Nothing's supposed to happen to you. And so when something comes in to affect that safety, it scares the living shit out of you. And so, yeah, the daytime horror, I feel the same way. Like, it's, it's so much scarier for that shit to happen during the daytime because the light is supposed to be safe and the dark is supposed to be evil.
1: So one last little thing before we get to the horror bit. As they're walking away, Howard's taking Minty off to the bush. The wife yells, we haven't got all day. Bitch, you literally have nothing but all day. <laughs> You're just going to be driving hold the fuck down.
0: (laughs) She's like the most, she's like a boomerang, you know, like she just like keeps coming back around to like one moment. She's like, oh, I really like this character. She's kind of cool. I like the relationship. She's, you know, really nice. And the next moment she's like, oh my God, you're such a bitch. Just please just monster. Come on, kill her already. All right. Just, just end this.
1: No such luck. So Howard and Minty find a bush. He sends her back alone to pee, which irked me, but is necessary because we have to have her scream. And of course, mom, leaps out of the minivan, leaves the door open, goes running over to the field. Howard goes behind the bush and they find a dead rabbit. So she was just scared by by a dead animal.
0: Uh, I was going to say, I did kind of like the build of tension there. Because before the scream, it was kind of like, okay, Howard keeps looking back to the van. Okay, what's over there? And then back to the bush. So it's kind of like there's this build of tension. So when the scream happens, you're actually sucked into, oh, shit, did something happen? Even though your like logic brain kicks in, like, okay, well, the monster's not going to pop up out of this open field. I mean, let's say, what's it doing? Like barrel rolls to like from bush to bush? But it does get you. <laughs>
1: Agreed. Yeah, you can see this big bush area. There's a lot of nothing field around it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of trees and whatnot. It's just this bush. So, Rawhead Rex, now the monster, comes out of the woods and approaches the side of the minivan. Little Robbie's in there by himself. Bitch, mom left the door open. I don't know if Rex would have figured out the door handles of a car or not, but it doesn't matter because the door's open. So he just reaches in, and to me, again for the 500th time overlooking the bad special effects of how the monster looks just the fact that this poor little defenseless boy is in here kicking and screaming for his life and this thing is grabbing his foot and dragging him across the seat terrifying and it's daytime this shouldn't be happening right like it's like oh my god it was
0: really, utterly terrifying until I realized that the only reason he was there is because, you know, he wanted to catch up on Secret Wars. He just, the monster just wanted to read the new issue. He was uh, in a shoe behind and <laughs> the kid had it. And he just wanted to borrow the comic book.
1: So a really great thing they did. I will give the director credit for this. Like you said, Howard is constantly peeking up and looking to make sure everything's fine over at the minivan. Why wouldn't it be? The monster's reaching down into the van to get Robbie and Howard looks and doesn't see that it's happening. Because the monster is down below his view. So when he looks again, there's the monster. And the, the shock on Howard's face, I didn't like that he's only, what, 30 feet from the gate, maybe? If whatever, 50 feet, however far. You can run it in a few seconds, basically. He's not that far. He's paralyzed with fear, I guess, and doesn't make a run for it right at first. So the monster has plenty of time to take a bite, we don't see it, out of the kid and start to walk off with him. Howard then runs to the gate and he stops at the gate instead of going right through it "Ah," in a moment of like, "Ah, what's happening? And it's like that those 10 seconds you wasted, you could have maybe saved your child. You probably would have gotten killed because you're not fighting this thing by yourself. But that always frustrated me that he he seems to waste time in his moments of shock and, and panic here. And the monster gets off with robbie he's gone
0: i kind of interpreted it at least when he got to the gate that the gate was kind of stuck and he was fumbling with it like trying to get through like he couldn't get through
1: oh stop giving him credit (laughs) that's
0: that's the only part Well, i got to defend the movie a little bit here i mean otherwise i'm gonna feel like a complete asshole ripping this piece of shit apart Uh, (laughs) uh but that's kind of how i interpreted it but yeah he did take too long to even get to the gate at the same time, it's like I kind of felt a little bit like, OK, we know the monster can run, but unless it's running after somebody, it doesn't seem to run. It's like, no, I'm, I'm the big bad. I can kick anybody's ass. I'm going to take my time walking through the woods. So I don't understand why he could not have caught up to the monster at all. He should have been able to catch it or see it or something. I feel like he kind of gave up a little too early.
1: Well, yeah, he sees a bloody shoe and the bloody comic, which clearly has lost all its value now. Because it's laying on the ground torn and bloody.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's worthless now.
1: And uh, he runs into the woods after the monster, who maybe had a 30 second head start at this point and doesn't see any sign of it anywhere, not even which way it went like nothing. I was like, holy shit, did he teleport? Like, <laughs>
0: what yeah. happened? That was weird, like no footprints or anything. I mean, this thing's walking around on like big clog hoppers. I mean, there's going to be some kind of boot print somewhere. So that was a little weird. I do, I, I have to say, and this is going to sound horrible. So bear with me.
1: Oh, say it anyway.
0: <laughs> I absolutely love it when kids die in horror movies. And it's because kids shouldn't die in horror movies. Kids shouldn't die. So when they die in horror movies, it's like that, it's again, it's that shock. Okay, the kid was supposed to be safe. Like everyone else, fine, you kill them but the little boy is supposed to be safe. And so when you get that, again, it's like the day the hor- daylight horror thing. It's like, it just catches you off guard and like, oh shit, okay, everything's off the table now. Anything can happen.
1: Good point. And I also just would have loved like a complete full director's, writer's cut, like everything they wanted in this movie, unrated version of like all the gore maybe they did they did try to do, but got cut. Maybe Robbie getting killed. Like I would love all of that. There's
0: a lot I would like to see in this. Movie. Like, I, I really want to see the deleted scene with uh, Rawhead Rex and the rest of his bandmates, you know, like rocking out <laughs> to, you know, like some, some song or something. That would be awesome.
1: So Rawhead Rex and the Pussycats.
0: <laughs> oh, please, Lord, let that movie happen.
1: So we cut back now to the madhouse of a police station because it's jam-packed with reporters wanting to know what's happening. They're they're just bombarding Inspector Gissing. And I love that one of them goes, is there a connection between these murders Gissing goes, yeah, they're all dead.
0: (laughs) The responses in these movies, uh, in this movie is just fucking brilliant. Like there's all kinds of like little shots at people here and there that I just absolutely loved. And I was like just blown away by the fact that, you know, like 50, 60 people were able to fit in this tiny fucking closet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? So Gissing goes into his office now. Howard and the wife and Minty are waiting in there for him. And they discuss what the boy saw, Neil, and what he drew. And Howard says, yeah, that's what I saw. And they figure out two and two. Howard is trying to tell them that he thinks the monster that they saw that killed his son belongs here. It's This is his area. That he's He's come back. He's going to kill. Gissing says, oh, don't worry. We'll catch it. During this scene... <laughs> I was, because again, I've seen this a hundred times. I'm looking at all the background stuff and there's a poster on the wall behind Howard. It's a slaughtered sheep with his like throat ripped out or something. And on the poster, it says, don't let your dog do this. And then under the picture, it says by day, a pet by night, a killer, lock your dog up at night. random fucking only in the backwoods of Ireland in farm country (laughs) is this their big concern
0: which is great because it goes back to my joke how the only cases that they're probably getting are chicken thieves and stuff so it's like
1: yeah they're obviously killed my my lamb
0: Exactly. It's like, this is way out of their fucking league. Like how, how are they going to handle this situation?
1: One cop says to Howard, cause he's upset about his son being killed. I know how you feel. And this is where David Dukes is going for the, this is the Oscar reel, right? This is the sizzle reel moment. He says, you have no idea how I feel. He looks like he's dying on the inside pain, anger, the hurt, It's all on his face. It's all in the delivery. He's crying. But I didn't like that he turns around and blames Gissing for Robbie's death. This is all your fault? Mm, Is it, though?
0: Uh, I mean, no. If anyone gets to blame, it's the mother.
1: Bitch left the door open, I'm telling you.
0: Exactly. I mean, we all know that there's no way Rawhead Rex would have been able to handle that door. Those big old fingers and stuff, they wouldn't get in there.
1: He had an opposable thumb, though. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Well, still, though, it's like the the hands were too were too gigantic and wrinkly i mean they, they looked like weak old rotten sausages
1: wrinkly sausage rex they were they, exactly
0: says so now we get why now we understand why it's raw head rex because he was entirely raw meat this thing was <laughs> just like sausage hamburger just disgusting looking creature
1: and in the story that i read we get no reason why his name is raw head we get no reason in the movie either i don't know why it's just weird to me. But anyway,
0: it's like as a demon name, like, you know, you think like, you know, Drizel or, you know, be- Beelzebub or like some weird name like that. It's like, and then you get Rawhead.
1: Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what
0: the hell? It's, again, it goes back to this is obviously an homage to like 80s heavy metal.
1: So Howard tells the wife and daughter he'll be back and he storms off. And the wife is, is barely selling it here. She would look more sad if they decided to stop selling sweaters with shoulder pads than the fact that her son died. She looks like she'd be more upset about not having shoulder pads in her life. She's not even selling it here. Well,
0: I mean, she's hasn't really shown that much love and affection for her children, anyways. I kind of feel like the only reason she's holding Minty right now is because, like, she couldn't just leave Minty in the bush with the dead rabbit. You know, they <laughs> had to take her. They had to take her with her.
1: So Howard goes back to the church with his Polaroid pictures and starts looking at the windows, trying to figure something out. He wants to get to the bottom of this mystery. The verger comes out over to Howard and tells him the monster was buried alive, he's the devil and he's come back. They get interrupted by the good reverend who tells Howard he's so sorry about his son. Howard immediately asks about the windows. We learned from Reverend Coote that the windows were damaged after something happened with the church and they were piecemealed back together. So they weren't put back together totally correct. And Howard is looking for this missing piece to complete the image of the one with the monster. There's something missing that clearly took this monster out, a sword, something. He can't figure out what it is. And I really like that they say, I didn't write down the exact line. Reverend Coop says something about uh, Jesus and the devil, and you really don't believe in the devil. And I like that Howard just says, well, something started the rumor (laughs) about the devil, like something happened.
0: I I actually like that, too, because it is kind of that it is kind of cool. Like you can always say, like, all myths are based on something like, you know, okay, even if you don't believe in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or any of this stuff, it's like, well, people are seeing something. Yeah. So it's like there's there's a real thing maybe not like a cryptid or whatever, but it's a real thing that's causing people to imagine this creature. So it's like, yeah, all myth is based on actual thing. So that I did like that. It's like, yeah, even if you don't believe in the devil, hey, there's something out there.
1: So Howard tells the Reverend, um, clearly whatever's missing from this picture, we need to figure it out because I need it to kill this creature because it's been beat once before we can do it again. And the Reverend just says, well, you don't know what you're saying. You're distraught. And Howard says to him, don't humor me. And I was like, ooh, that's not right. He's not humoring him. Humoring him would be going along with him and being, oh yeah, let me help you. That would be humoring me. You're distraught, don't humor me. That didn't make any sense. I was like, what, (laughs) what? I don't think Uh that word means what you think it means. (laughs) No, I I I
0: chalk it up to he's just you know he is like he is distraught he's like not thinking so it's like obviously his brain is not connected to his mouth correctly.
1: I I distraught I speak bad English sorry. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, that really got under my skin because as people who know me know, spelling, English, grammar, all that bothers me. Anyway, moving on.
0: (laughs) Me no bother that. Me no. (laughs) Fuck off.
1: Howard leaves the good reverend and he, the reverend then gets an overwhelming urge to put his hand on the altar, just like the verger did earlier. And he gets burned blisters and all. And then later that night, we cut to Rawhead Rex attacking and terrorizing that caravan where Andy and, you know, got killed.
0: We can call it the Irish trailer park. That That's what it is. It is the Irish trailer park. There is a group of people in there that are just hanging out in this trailer park watching an Irish version of Jerry Springer and getting drunk off their ass.
1: So we cut to inside one of them. It's five people and they're chit-chatting and, you know, drinking beer and whatnot and having a good time. There's there's the old couple who, from earlier, another couple in there with them. And then in the back of the camp, right in the camper, right where the window is, is this lone woman sitting by herself. The way it's shot and, and, and lined up, you're like, oh, she's dead. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, you saw, you knew who the victim was going to be. The only reason it took me a second to figure out is because I was distracted by the one guy's eyebrows. I Gargamel! To, I, it looked like he had two fucking ferrets glued to his face. this, this Dude, it was it just like
1: Gargamel.
0: I didn't even think of the Gargamel thing. That and is brilliant. That yeah. is brilliant. Yes, that's exactly what he
1: looked like. Evil Gargamel, like the Muppet version. So oh. they get rocked. Because the monster starts pushing their little camper deal, tips it the fuck over, which I want that in my monster movie. If you're so fucking big and strong and imposing, that's the word I wanted earlier for the doorframe shot. Imposing. If you're this big, giant, scary, imposing figure, you can knock one of these fucking things over. And he does. He tips it
0: the fuck over. He's strong. I go back to, I I mean, I hate to do another callback to the joke, but he really is the incredible what the fuck, because it is like, this thing is acting like the incredible Hulk. Pushing shit over, like doing the growl. Like, it's just, I honestly wonder if there was a little bit of inspiration from Lou Ferrigno's Hulk.
1: Like, I can see that. So, one guy sticks his head out and, of course, gets killed. People all come out and start gathering around. They hear the noise and the ruckus and they're like, what's going on? And some random people start to fight the monster. Good on them. They start running up and trying to punch him. He takes them all out, of course, but they try. One lady gets pulled from this lone lady. That from earlier, gets pulled from the window and Gargamel tries to grab her and her dress rips on the front, exposing them titties. There's your titties.
0: They had to happen. Uh, It's now the movie makes sense.
1: So he pulls her out and tosses her aside and she hits a tree and she's fine. I was like, oh man, he's not going to kill her. I don't know. Guess the titties did it.
0: I assumed he was going to do something to her. And then it just like said so like he just got maybe distracted or something. But yeah, like it seemed like they were leading towards something, and then it just kind of like fell off.
1: So another guy shoots at the monster, and misses, hits a propane tank, and there's a massive explosion. Of course, because movie.
0: <laughs> you got to have the explosion.
1: Now this is a shot. Good job, director. All the flames and everything behind the monster. And the monster comes charging at this fucking guy, top speed, roaring, hands out, the flames behind him. It looks fucking rad. It's a rad shot. It's good.
0: It is a really good shot. And I don't blame the monster because apparently he was really pissed off that he did not get the nom on those titties.
1: (laughs) So the police get called, Gissing and his men take off in several cars, leaving Howard behind, even though Howard clearly wants to go too. The cops all take off after the monster when a lady tells them where he went when he left the caravan.
0: I kind of got like, it, to me, it was seemed kind of cool with the after effects of the monster basically destroying this trailer park. It felt like the after effects of like a war scene, like after the battle and like the injured people are walking around and trying to kind of collect themselves. That was really fucking cool. I got to give them credit on that one.
1: Yep. There's like the dead bodies, the debris, there's little fires still burning here and there. Yeah. So back at the police station, Howard is piecing his Polaroids together, trying to figure out where the missing piece of the windows were put together wrong, telling his wife that he thinks that monster has been here before. Maybe they can beat it if they figure out what the missing piece of the puzzle is. Then we cut now back outside to the road where Inspector Gissing and his one cop buddy are attacked on the road by the monster. They are blindsided, really. Because we see them sitting in the car. They're ready to do like a three-point turn and turn around. And all of a sudden, he's there, rips the door off and grabs Gissing and yanks him out. And what made me laugh in this scene was that, and they do this in movies a lot and I always laugh, one character starts a sentence and the other one finishes it. So when the monster rips the door off, Gissing goes, holy Jesus. And the other cop goes, Christ. (laughs) I didn't catch
0: that. That is, that is great. I did not catch that.
1: I love it. One person says, Jesus, the other one says, that always makes me laugh. And that totally happens right here. (laughs) So the other cop, because Gissing's been pulled out of the car, takes off in the car, but hits something and the car flips and he can't, he doesn't get away. So he's got Gissing by the throat and the red eyes, we get a close up now of the horrible (laughs) red eyes. I don't know if they're hypnotizing him or what is happening exactly. They're like touching his soul <laughs> and Gissing just goes, yes, for you. Like he's sucked him in, you know,
0: it was a very erotic scene. Uh, I was expecting like some monster lovemaking going on any moment there.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> Look at him spit my drink all over the keyboard.
0: I, I was trying to wait till you were done drinking. <laughs> it just. Nope, slipped out.
1: <laughs> So back at the station, a cop comes in to check on Howard and the fam when he offers to get Howard a cup of tea. And I <laughs> I love Howard goes, why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and the cop says, I'll pass that suggestion along.
0: <laughs> oh, in the meantime, can I get you a cup of tea? Why don't you go fuck yourself? Hmm. I'll pass that suggestion along. Oh, you do that. When I saw that I was like, this is the greatest response I've ever heard to go fuck yourself like I I'm going to write this down and remember this forever, because I know multiple times in my life, I will get told that and I want to I want to respond with that same thing.
1: I know that people are going to tell me to fuck myself so I'm ready now. <laughs> yes. What are you doing that warrants that. <laughs> Wait, I don't want to know.
0: <laughs> just being me baby just being me. <laughs>
1: husband's favorite phrase when he's pissed off is to tell people to go fuck themselves. So I forgot after the hundreds of times I've seen this, that he says that in this movie. And I almost legit spit my drink as well, because that's my husband's favorite phrase. And I'm like, holy shit. Now I have a response. If he ever, he's never said that to me, but if he ever did, I would (laughs) totally be like, I'll think about it. I'll pass that along. (laughs) That is fantastic.
0: Oh, that is just that is like my favorite scene in this in this movie. I just that happened. I almost died laughing. like, oh yes, beautiful.
1: So we cut to the good reverend sitting in his rectory and pondering something. I don't know his life choices at this point. I die. Who knows? <laughs> Outside, Rawhead Rex meets up with <laughs> what looks like a shady Tinder hookup in the cemetery because he's like off to the side. We only see his back. The verger is creeping up. It's like, hmm, what's going on here? Speaking of erotic stuff, <laughs> but then we cut away. We don't know what's happening yet. The reverend back inside, hears the monster making noise and wants to go out and see what's going on. He catches the monster baptizing the verger with urine. He is pissing on him. The guy puts his head down and is getting it all over his face. And I'm like, y'all need to be videoing this for OnlyFans or some shit.
0: This was the scene where I literally stood up and said, no, thank you, movie. This is bull. I I just, I could not believe. I literally almost pissed myself laughing when I texted you that. This is the scene I was talking about. This was just so fucking ridiculous.
1: Now, yes, but let me remind you. Have you seen the movie Nightbreed?
0: I have not. That's actually on the list of movies I need to watch. Okay. So you
1: would have found this less ridiculous. Have you seen the movie Nightbreed? Had you seen it? Because the similar thing happens in Nightbreed. This is clearly a theme in Barker's writing, where the baptism with fire, baptism with the urine of the unholy, anti-church type thing. That's what this is. Yes, it's silly, but that's clearly what he's going for.
0: I just assumed he was into water sports. (laughs)
1: <laughs> maybe
0: I was getting some like I, I literally thought he went from like Gene Simmons on steroids to R Kelly on steroids
1: <laughs> Gross. so the monster s- turns around sees Reverend Coot there chases him back he goes inside and the monster starts banging on the door and ends up busting the door so this is where I was saying something similar happens from the farmhouse earlier he gets in and the Reverend goes to hide in like these tunnels somewhere like a la da Vinci code like down where there's records and shit hiding and the monsters in his rectory and he starts swiping his big old paw right across the desk clearly has a distaste for everything on the desk just swipes it clean and again he's just making a mess right like just because he can
0: (laughs) I'm either gonna go with either like I said he's a dick Or he's just got a thing against poorly decorated buildings and rooms. He's just like one of those guys that just walks into a room. It's like, no, no, the the decor is clashing with the color and I don't like it. And so, no, we're going to redecorate this whole fucking room.
1: In this tunnel, the Reverend runs into Declan, the verger, who, by the way, still filthy. And now add urine insult to injury. He must smell so foul and he's right up in the reverend's face i would be uh, uh, i would be
0: be disgusted too i mean like most of the movie he looked like he needed a shower i was not thinking golden shower but i mean this is just i guess the way the movie was going
1: he had to be so rank i would have puked i think and then you can't help but think that there was clearly stuff cut from the scene because the verger starts ranting to the reverend He gets about a sentence and a half out and then the dialogue cuts. And it's like, what was he going to rant about? The history of the monster or the religion or something? And it's very abrupt and and noticeable if you're paying attention to it.
0: It did seem like there was something missing from the scene. I mean, there was a lot missing from this movie that felt like maybe there is a director's cut out there that like has the stuff that we need to get more information about. Yeah. There was a lot lacking that would have made probably made the movie make more sense in certain places.
1: So the verger knocks the reverend down and he hits a pile of papers and sees a picture of what looks almost like rawhead Rex. And he realizes it's the missing parish records. So the verger has put them all down there. He says rawhead Rex has been here long before Jesus and people. He was the king here and he was called rawhead. So that's basically all the info we get. Again, had to be missing dialogue, had to be.
0: I, I would love to see if there's a deleted scene out there of like showing what the earth looked like before Jesus and everything. Like, you know, like it was ruled by right. demonic metalheads, like right? just, you know, all these demons out there, head banging, listening to like Ozzy and shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Looking like the underworld from Constantine. So the cops all get called to the church now. Howard overhears this. So, you know, he's not going to stay put. Declan pushes the reverend up, back up into the church to see the monster and I like that (laughs) this is the best slash worst acting in the whole movie. It's both for me. The reverend says to Declan, when he's done with you, what will he do? Meaning the monster when he's done with you and the verger goes, kill me. I hope (laughs) I can't even do it justice. It's the worst, best bad acting I've ever seen. It doesn't care about you. When it's finished with you, what will it do with you? Kill me. I hope Declan. For the love of God! Oh. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Now, now that you said, it, I, I kind of—I think I had it kind of blocked out for a moment there. I tried to forget it, and then you just kind of brought it back. I, I'm being triggered by this movie now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when he's pushing him up the stairs, he's all, "Get up there, fuckface! We can't keep God waiting." <laughs> damn, I, Declan.
0: I did love that part. That was great. With the, Get up there, fuck face. I just like, oh, like the intensity of it is like, he's really pissed off at this guy.
1: So upstairs we see the church has been destroyed. There's little fires going. It's been ransacked. The verger and the reverend argue about the monster. And then the monster shows up in the church doorway. I think I have a shot of this that I took for socials. Very imposing figure, giant in the church doorway. He takes up more space than there is empty space left in the doorways. And I think that's why it's freaky to me. I've never seen something that big in real life, like a live thing that could probably kill me. It's just, I don't know. It's good. It's good directing on the guy's part. Good Good to show him in these doorways to give size, to give scale.
0: I didn't think about that, but that is kind of clever. Yeah. With the, the doorways to kind of give it scale and make it seem more intimidating.
1: Yeah. So... The monster swipes in at the reverend, but won't actually come into the church for some reason. And the reverend for a second is like, oh, okay. He's not coming in. I'm, I'm good. So he grabs a cross off the wall and starts to hold it toward the monster. Like, ah, get back. You, you demon. And he just swipes in and grabs the cross and chucks it and then swipes at the reverend. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> I guess he's not afraid to kind of step in a little.
0: That I did like because it's like so many demonic movies uh, and stuff like that. You do, oh, the cross is supposed to keep it back and stuff like that. So that was that was cool because it also kind of felt like, okay, you're not dealing with a demon. You're dealing with something older than demons and all that stuff. This is like a true ancient evil, despite the fact that it looks like it's shopped at Hot Topic.
1: <laughs> so outside, the cops and a bunch of looky-loos are there. They pull up. And Rawhead Rex exits the church carrying the Reverend's body. And this is where the fog to me is the most egregious in the whole film. As he's walking out of the church, it's a long shot. And we see a clear like cloud of fog, a bubble of white fog, thick as pea soup, like you said, can't see through it. It clearly was just exited the fog machine and is just sitting there on the ground behind the monster. They they didn't even think to have a fan blow it so it would thin out and spread out. It's so bad. It's obviously fake. (laughs) So Gissing runs up now and sees what's happening. And because he's been hypnotized by the monster. He decides to grab gasoline and set the cars on fire. And of course they explode.
0: Uh, I was disappointed with the way that that went down a little bit because he did not pull off crazy nearly as good as the, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that name, right? I'm going to call him a virgin.
1: (laughs) The verger.
0: Verger. Every time you say verger, I hear virgin. And judging by his looks, he probably is. Um, But he just he didn't pull off the crazy as well as the other guy. I thought it was like, uh, okay, you're a little creepy, but I wasn't getting the same vibe. Uh, no,
1: and not even in this next bit where he purposely sets himself on fire, walks through the fire, runs up to the monster and says, "For you." And he drops down in front of the monster and the monster just walks off and lets him burn.
0: <laughs> I was honestly expecting another pissing scene right there. I really was like, Put him but it's out. like that <laughs> Yeah, I was like, at this point, like, that's when you know you suck as a lackey when even your boss is like, I'm not even going to piss on you when you're on fire.
1: Oh, my God. That's a good insult. Even if you were on fire, I wouldn't piss on you to put you out. So people, speaking of people being on fire, a whole bunch of the looky-loos and cops are on fire and they're running around and it's, you know, oh, and screaming. Was stop, drop, and roll not a thing in the 80s in Ireland? (laughs) Why are Um... these people running around on fire?
0: I'm not sure DMX had released that album yet, so, um, you know. I
1: remember being in school and the fire marshal or whoever coming in and teaching us all stop, drop, and roll. Distinct memory of that.
0: I mean, maybe when you're on fire, you're not thinking about it, or maybe you had something to do with the monster
1: hypnotizing people.
0: Maybe everyone is just hoping they'll die so they'll get out of this movie.
1: So Howard shows up, finds a cop holding the dying reverend who's been tossed to the side now. He conveniently is able to get out some words to Howard before Uh. (laughs) any croaks. His last dying breath is that the monster is afraid of something in the altar. Go get whatever it is in the altar. So Howard goes in and has a final confrontation, confrontation with lunatic verger Declan. They tussle. Howard gets away by pulling a misery trick. And slamming a burning book into Declan's face. (laughs) Howard hears a sound coming from the altar, that weird noise that we've been hearing whenever the altar's in play. He goes over, tries to open it, and gets burned a little. So he grabs a candlestick, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that. That was smart.
0: That was clever. I did like that.
1: Pries it open with this red glowing light and some smoke gets released. He pulls out a stone. That in this shot looks like a plain little round stone, uh, almost shaped like one of those Russian nesting dolls or a bowling pin, maybe with a, the with a smaller head and the rounder body.
0: That wasn't the shape that I saw. Um, we'll ignore that. <laughs> what did you think? It looked like a giant stone ancient dildo.
1: No way. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what it looked like to me.
1: Only the tip. <laughs> So Declan runs out screaming off into the cemetery to warn the monster that Howard found whatever it is, the stone. To me,
0: it would have been nice to explain, because um, I'm just assuming this is what it was, was that the reason it was so hot to touch, and like no one could touch it, is because there was a spell of some kind to protect it. And so once he opened it, he can get inside and get it. I would have liked that explained because it's like, I'm just grasping at straws that that's what it was. Because otherwise, why were you able to touch this thing without burning yourself?
1: Agreed. The stone didn't burn him, yeah. But touching the outside, just like everybody else did. It was weird.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's where you kind of need that explanation.
1: So Howard now is outside confronting the monster, but he's a good, you know, 40 feet away from him. He holds that stone over his head And he's talking to it as he's walking. He's like, come on now, do your thing. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) Like waiting for it to do something. (laughs) I
0: absolutely loved that. He just, he was so good at this movie.
1: (laughs) But you can get a better look at the stone now. And it actually looks a bit like a pregnant woman. It's got breasts and a big belly. And it's like, oh, okay. Now pieces are falling into place. Pregnant woman, the stone pregnancy cult the paganism stuff it's the death always wants to be what it can't be or wants what it can't have he he was evil he wasn't born he wasn't a fetus in a woman's body and born by a mo- with and had a mother it wants what it can't have death he was never a baby he was never born nurtured does that make sense
0: yeah so basically he didn't have a mommy and so he turned out to be very bad
1: yeah <laughs> I can't help you if that's all you're gleaning from this. That's the best (laughs) I can explain it. (laughs) So at this point now, nothing's happening. He keeps getting closer and closer to the monster. The monster knocks (laughs) Howard out of the way, tossing the little idol out of his hands. He grabs Declan, who's real close, kills him willingly. Declan's like, do it, take me. And this is the most horrible, offensive, terrible special effects, hilarious shot of the movie to me. Where our POV is behind the monster's head over his shoulder. We see him pulling Declan closer and closer. We see the little side of the monster's mouth just barely scraping and touching the cheek and neck of Declan. And you hear like like a biting sound and the mouth barely moves and blood just starts to squirt and pour everywhere. And the mouth doesn't even, he doesn't bite him. He can't, the mouth doesn't function that way.
0: I mean, if you didn't have the blood, this would have been like a very heartwarming makeout scene.
1: Like they were canoodling and snuggling.
0: Yeah. Like he was just, he was, he was caressing his cheek. He was going to (laughs) start necking with him. Uh, You know, like this is, this is where I, yeah, this is where I thought this was going. And then the blood happened. It was like, oh, okay. Well, apparently it's, you know, his time of the month. So,
1: so Elaine, Howard's wife comes running over, picks Howard up and the monster starts roaring and heading toward Howard. Howard pushes his wife out of the way and says, get out of here. The monster and Howard are tussling for a minute, but as with anybody, thank God, they didn't have Howard have like superhuman strength. He doesn't last long. He gets knocked down pretty quick, which he, he should, he would. So Elaine picks up that stone and holds it over her head. Shit starts to happen because a woman is holding the stone. So Here's the whole female And the birth, why he didn't kill the pregnant lady with her belly, because she had a baby in it earlier in the film. It's all coming together now about the whole birth and thing.
0: And now it makes sense. But behind every great man is a psychotic woman with a stone.
1: Or who will throw stones for you. I don't know. (laughs) But blue light starts to come out and swirl around the whole yard, zapping at the monster. Then we see this red cloak wearing woman ghost kind of looking figure come out of the stone above Elaine's head and disappear into the light. And it's all starting to attack the monster. And then you get the flashback. Oh, the woman earlier in the movie in the red coat and why Elaine felt she seemed familiar. See, this whole thing should all be kind of coming together now.
0: No, it's coming together. It's not making it look any better, but it's coming together.
1: And then Howard says out loud for the people who haven't figured it out, it had to be a woman. Aha, his aha moment. <laughs> Why it didn't work when he had it, but it's working for his wife. So the blue LART, uh, blue LART, the blue light starts zapping the headstones, surrounding the monster. It overwhelms him. It sort of kills him, I guess, or it's going to kill him, knocks him down onto this flat gravestone.
0: I will say that the effects in this were so bad that we could just go ahead and call it blue LART. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Paul Blart of special effects. So Howard runs over and hits the monster with a stick. Like, what what is this? I don't even know. Like the wife already took him down. I'm going to give him one last for good measure. (laughs) Good job, honey. (laughs) He's got to
0: contribute. I mean, you know, he can't let the woman do all the work.
1: (laughs) It's like, it's like, I forget what movie it was, but somebody shoots the bad guy. And then somebody else runs up and shoots him too. And goes, "Ah, I got him like, well, did you really though? I think the first guy that shot him got him. So the monster falls into this hole in the ground now and he's all decrepit and old and decaying looking and the stone falls in the hole also and Howard and Elaine leave.
0: And I just want to point out that this was the most dramatic death scene I've ever seen because during the attack of the lights, I could have swore I just saw the fucking monster like do a twirl and spin like he's doing some ballet bullshit or something.
1: Oh, yes. He was living his best dance life.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. He, he was. This, this was like Billy Elliot.
1: Wait, that's a British movie, right? <laughs> so we're close. We saw the connection. So now we cut to daytime and little brother Neil is at his. Well, no, wait. He wasn't his little brother. He's at Andy's grave with flowers and on the headstone. Andy, aged 18. This fucking guy looked 30. Are you kidding me? He was 18.
0: Uh, Yeah, he did not look like he was 18 years old at all. And I still don't understand why the hell he was at Andy's grave. Apparently he didn't like Andy. Yes, I thought that too. Like, if anything, he should have been at the grave to piss on it.
1: (laughs) So Andy starts to walk away. And then he's becomes a little blurry because in the front of our shot we get a close-up of Rawhead Rex face, his decrepit face, pops up out of the ground and roars, cut to black, the end roll credits. I didn't need that.
0: The ending, oh
1: that ruin that ruins for me what was fun otherwise. I'm like, really movie? You didn't know. It-
0: no, because it's like, well, one, you guys had to know making this movie, you're not going to get a sequel. Um, this was not going to be a, a franchise. I'm sorry.
1: Right. That ending was just stupid. And also, how did little Neil not look over and see that it was right by him?
0: Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Like he should have seen because like that's not like the monsters like popping up and going roar. It's like, no, he bust out with the whole like So I was like, yeah, the kids going to know this happened. And then it also doesn't make sense because like I would have figured, well, he was afraid of the totem anyways. So being buried with it, that should have possibly kept him like not coming back.
1: I thought that too.
0: So that, that ending was a little confusing.
1: Did we miss anything you wanted to address? The only other thing
0: I guess I could bring up is I did in the research catch that they said, and you will know this, that the book, it has a different ending than the movie.
1: Well, that's because the whole family is made up for the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like, that's the only other thing I caught there. Actually, surprisingly, there was not a lot of notes to be taken on this movie. I I hit IMDB and there was like four or five things. And that was about it. It's like, okay, so apparently this was not a popular movie.
1: (laughs) So then let's jump to three questions.
0: Uh, I have three. I have one question for you. Sure. Why do you hate me?
1: Hey, that's my line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was payback for dark man. I know this was payback for dark.
1: Of course it was. But also we were on monster roll having just done relic the relic. I was was in monster mode, but yeah, a little bit of payback for dark man for sure. Cause I knew you weren't going to love this like I do, but I didn't think you would hate it either. I figured you'd, you'd enjoy it for what it was, you know, cheesy.
0: It wasn't that bad. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> I, I, I can live through it.
1: All right. So question one, then touching on the ending there, does this movie need a sequel? I'm going to say no, but my question to you may be a remake. What do you think?
0: Um, Remake? Yes. Remake would be awesome. Just because there's a lot of stuff that I felt they could have delved a little bit more into. More of the religious aspects, better explanation of like, you know, especially like you said, with the whole birthing cult and stuff like that, the paganism. That would have been really cool to see some flashback scenes going back to the history of this stuff. Like what did Rawhead Rex, uh, like obviously he wasn't the only thing that was roaming the earth at this point. So there's got to be others. I would like to have seen more stuff like that.
1: And the special effects could be improved.
0: Yeah, you could definitely improve on the design of the monster. Uh, I would try, if I remade it, I would love to see practical effects still used, but much better
1: practical effects. Which Um, we can do. We've proven, Hollywood's proven they can do it. They just don't like to.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, if they remake it, it's going to be all digital, which I I don't want to see a, a digital version of this.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: No, I wouldn't mind a sequel too. Uh, you know, like maybe get that scarecrow creature out and turn that into something. And then we can have like, you know, Rawhead Rex and the Scarecrow go out on tour together, you know, hitting the stage, trying to like make it as a band, an up and coming band.
1: You Who know, get or, the guy or... from Jeepers Creepers.
0: Yeah, you can have to do like a cool, like uh, almost like remaking Airheads, but with um, these three creatures, uh, monsters, and then, you know, it's like you have up and coming band. Uh, I, I just, that would be a lot of fun, like a buddy movie. A buddy movie with Rawhead Rex and the Scarecrow.
1: <laughs> Rawhead Rex and Friends.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon like, that you'd be selling like, you know, breakfast cereal with like, hey kids, it's Rawhead Rex and Friends. Don't forget your sugary snacks. Get your Rexies, pour milk. <laughs> <laughs> now with 50% more sugar. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so, okay. So you'd be, you'd be kind of down for that. I would too, hundred percent. The Saturday morning uh, part, right? <laughs> The remake part. <laughs> so then, piggybacking off of that, question two Do you miss the cheesy monster movies of the 80s? Because you love critters. I love this one. We've got Nightbreed, Hellraiser, all these, you know, water monster movies, Leviathan. There's so many monster movies of the 80s. And it's like there's a certain charm about these movies visually, the way they're shot you know, everything. Uh, I really like original monsters. Again, the water monster movies, Nightbreed, Pinhead, this. I like original stuff. We don't really get much of that anymore. The only exception I could think of really, I recently watched a movie from 2013 called Splinter. Really fucking crazy. The people that are, get isolated at the gas station and they're trapped inside and there's the creature with the splinter situation. I don't want to give too much away. Anyway, we don't get many anymore. So do you kind of miss that era? Do you want more monster movies?
0: I do. I I would love to see that come back uh, into the fold of like what's hip and popular again. I kind of think we do in a sense. Uh, I do feel like a lot of the movies that are coming out that are quote unquote like like the big budget special effects um creature features. I kind of feel like they are inspired by that kind of stuff. Like I just recently rewatched the Meg and it felt like there was a little bit of an homage to some of those movies that came before with the big creatures and the monsters and things like that. And uh what was another one? Grim Cuddy that just came out like a, a couple.
1: Ooh, weeks. another original one.
0: That was really good. Me and the girlfriend really enjoyed that movie. And it that was that one's good. So it's like you're getting them in a sense, but you're not getting the charm that you had of the 80s. But then you you can't because it's a different time. It's like when they remake like Robocop or Point Break. And like, I haven't seen those remakes because I don't want to. But, you know, it, it's fair. Was it, yeah, it's because, I you know, I was like, I like the original. I don't need the new version. Um, but it's like you're going to lose the charm of what made that movie so great because it was a product of its time, of its era, of its culture, of whatever was happening in the moment it was being made.
1: That's true. Good point. All right. Question three. As we saw watching this film, by the end, there are barely any survivors of the main cast in this movie. So my question is, what happened to the characters that live? So what happened to Howard? What what did he do going forward? I'm assuming
0: uh I I would like to hope he separated from his wife and went and found you know someone who a little bit more loving and caring who liked kids (laughs) who liked kids much better better mother um you know maybe someone who didn't want to role play in necrophilia that would have been kind of nice
1: I think Howard instigated that bit actually
0: (laughs) actually that is true but she seemed a little bit more into it than he was (laughs) <laughs> um, but I mean, it kind of makes sense because she was a cold bitch anyway. So of course she's going to be cold, but more than likely they stayed together, probably had another child.
1: We're focusing on Howard.
0: Uh, okay. yeah, this is, this is how, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like, they stayed together. They're a family. So still, so I'm assuming that's probably what happened.
1: So he was on a work trip, if you remember for this movie. So I think he still writes his book, but instead of being about what he originally wanted it to be about, he writes about this whole experience and ties it in. I think that's a bestseller. (laughs) I don't know if I'd believe it. I'd be thinking cryptid. (laughs) To be honest with you,
0: so much happens in this movie that even we went through the whole breakdown. I forgot he was writing a book.
1: (laughs) It was a work trip. He had to keep reminding his bitch wife.
0: Well, apparently this is why you had to keep reminding her because either his job was so damn boring that you forgot about it or so much shit's going on in their life that it's like you forget about it. I forgot he was writing a book. (laughs)
1: So then you mentioned you think that you would hope Elaine and him separated, but they're probably still together. I think probably still together. And she's probably still a bitch. Like, I don't see her being changed by this incident in any way.
0: <laughs> I I don't. I would hope that like after this, after losing a child, that she becomes a better mother to Minty. And at some point in her life, apologizes for naming her Minty. <laughs>
1: It makes me want gum. I want fresh breath when I hear that.
0: I mean, I'm so much of a dick. If I named my child Minty, it would literally be Minty middle name fresh.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I would do that. I I would do that. I I still want to name everyone who knows me knows this. I want to name my child Francis Ulysses.
1: Oh, what? (laughs) What? Francis Ulysses.
0: And you know why? You're terrible. You spell out the, you just spell out the whole name and it's like, oh, that would just be beautiful. You're terrible.
1: So Minty, speaking of, what happens to her? What does she grow up to do? Um, Assuming Elaine has such good parenting, she does grow up. (laughs) Doesn't leave her unsupervised in the street or anything.
0: Yeah, I, at this point, I wouldn't be like, I would not be. I almost screwed up and said, surprised because I'd be like a cross of shocked and surprised. So, surprised no uh, that um, this is the Davism um, that they go camping one trip. And they just tell Minty to go out and like, oh yeah, go out, you know, 50 feet, go to the bathroom. Go gather firewood. Go, go gather firewood, do whatever. And like maybe a tribe of Bigfoot come along, gather Minty up and raise her as her own because they see how shitty of a parent this woman is. They're like, no, we can't in good conscience leave you with this terrible woman. Come with us, child. Come live with the Bigfoot.
1: Is it Bigfoots or feet?
0: <laughs> I I What is a always... gaggle of
1: Bigfoot called.
0: I've always wanted, I'm going to consider it a mass hallucination.
1: So I have Minty because of everything that happened and her poor parenting, uh, growing up after years of therapy, becoming a therapist herself. <laughs> because she just needs to keep the healing process. She probably analyzes her mom. <laughs> probably
0: wrote a best-selling book of like, you know, like uh, uh, from the loins of a bitch.
1: Follows in her father's footsteps. Right. Writes a book. Here you go. And what about little Neil? What does he do? What does he grow up to do?
0: Um, I'm hoping again, he got therapy too, because I kind of get the feeling like that was not the first time that his sister tried to hook up with a dude in front of her, in front of him. So it's like, I'm, I'm thinking he needs therapy too, because that's a very uncomfortably close family. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering now, is this like the Alabama of Ireland?
1: Rothmore, the Alabama <laughs> of Ireland. That's how they sell it on flyers. <laughs>
0: I apologize to anyone listening in Alabama. This is just purely a joke. I don't actually believe people do that. Of course it's a joke. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, that just seems like he kind of needed some help too. And I think there was some anger issues there too, because he was very quick to go try and whip this 18 year old boy's ass. And we all know <laughs> He's not that He's beating
1: wasn't... a 30 year old man down.
0: <laughs> no, no, that man was going to kick that kid's ass
1: So I figure after his encounter with the monster and surviving, Neil becomes obsessed with cryptids and the paranormal. And he becomes an investigator searching for that Irish wild man. He's determined to spend his life getting evidence.
0: He grows up to do guest shots on UFO hunters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And on ghost hunters with (laughs) Scooby-Dooche. Yeah, that's what I have little Neil pegged for, becoming a total cryptid researcher, like devoting his life to that. Because when you have a sighting and other people were there, the ones that didn't die <laughs> can give you an eyewitness and account and back you up.
0: That's actually, I, I like that one better than mine. I got one for you. Okay. Do you think the titty woman survived and what happened to her?
1: Now my theory on her, yes, she survives. And I think he doesn't kill her because when he, her dress is ripped and her titties are exposed, he just tosses her aside because she's a woman. And we know about now in the third act, the women cult thing and the birthing, he tossed her aside. He wasn't going to do anything with her because she's a, she's a woman.
0: Okay. Well, I was just wondering because she was awful close to that explosion.
1: Oh, so, so maybe she died, but just not by the hands of the monster.
0: So that's kind of what I was wondering. We would never did get to see her again. So like, you know, I kind of oh, wondered. She... You
1: missed those titties for the rest of the
0: film. <laughs> no, I, I was just wondering, like, you know, like, did she, did we end up with crispy tits? Uh, like, you know, what happened?
1: Maybe. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> That is going to wrap up our discussion on the glorious monster movie, Rawhead Rex. If anyone out there is interested in checking it out, it is currently at the time of this recording, free on Tubi. You can also pay for it to see it on YouTube and Vudu. Or you can do like me and support the cult movie industry and purchase it because it is available now. 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, like I mentioned, also on DVD. Or you can do like
0: me and seek professional help for watching this movie
1: argue you need that anyway, sir. <laughs> you also, like Dark Man.
0: <laughs> that's true. Also, don't forget to remind them to look for this summer, the coming attraction of Rawhead Rex and Friends, Saturday mornings at eight, probably ABC. So, you know, look out for that.
1: I want to watch that so bad now. <laughs> in like Scooby-Doo animation, like old Scooby-Doo animation.
0: I would love that.
1: <laughs> Have you seen those cartoons that people post where P- they've been animating, adding in uh, pinhead jason freddy into the scooby-doo
0: yes i love those
1: aren't those amazing
0: they really need to make those movies
1: i want to thank you sir for joining me today hopefully this was fun for you Yeah. <laughs> well on that note we want to thank you all for listening and until next time goodbye
0: i'll get the fuck out and you'll be fucking glad <laughs> <laughs> why don't you go fuck
1: yourself Hey listeners, Movie Miss here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. So we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please make sure to find us on our socials and join us. Be part of our Bad Movie Conversations. We want to chat with you. We're on Facebook with an official page as well as a Let's Talk Turkeys discussion group where you can talk with other like-minded individuals who like bad movies We're on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys. Our Twitter handle is at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct. We would love to get suggestions from you of movies you would like us to cover. If you want to be a guest on the show, we would love that. So directly, that's Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, at yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go!